This is the 4 0 Written All Over It podcast. Hello, welcome back to the 4 0 Written All Over It podcast for our first episode in the busy month of February. We've got a packed show for you tonight, and I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into what we've got lined up for you. All in the enjoyable company, as always, of my brother Ollie. How are we, matey? Matey? Yeah, I'm great. I'm really good. Uh, it's been an interesting week. Uh, lots is going on, lots has happened, and yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's going to be quite a fun episode this, I'm looking forward to talking about everything that's gone on this week. Just the just the one game since we last spoke, and we'll run through the fallout to it during this initial part of the show, we're not counting this as a kind of segment as a, as such, um, as I said, because it's such a busy show, but how do you reflect on the first loss of John Messino's time in charge at Pompey to Peterborough last weekend? I am happy. I'm going to be Happy one of with the a loss, Kenny I'm Jacket. One, I'm going to be one of the only people. Uh, I'm going to hark back to Kenny's famous saying here: "It's a good way to lose." Um, no, I actually think that it was a good way to lose. I thought we were very poor first half. Um, I thought we started poorly in the second half, and I think a lot of fans would agree with that. But I think there was obviously something said at halftime because once that sort of hour mark clocked, we started to really turn it on and. I think if we went back two months and we gone 2-0 down in the first half against Peterborough, we'd have lost 4-5-0 or 4-5-1, even if we managed to sneak a goal. Um, whereas there's arguably, it could have been 2-all. No, arguably, arguably, we could have gone one up at one point. Uh, that, that We had a lot of very good opportunities in that game. Um, and yeah, I just thought that it was... It, it, we showed some real heart, some real battle some real fight towards the end of that game, some real one, and it kind of brought me back to what we used to see at Pompey and what we used to see at Fratton Park. And I think that's what that's all what the fans want. You know, Danny Cowley coined it in um, in one of his uh, post-match, not interviews as such, but recordings of him celebrating and how happy he was about us. All the fans want is a bit of fight. And I think that is very true. I think as, as a collective, we don't mind... Losing, we're not expect we're not going to win every game. We're fully aware of that at Fratton Park, but what we can't stand is a lackluster performance. And I don't think we really saw that. I thought we might have saw it. In, we saw it in the first half, but it was good to see how we we came out in the second half and how the game changed and how we're able to adapt, which is um it's a very big positive for me. I feel like your secretary, but just to provide some end notes to what Ollie was saying, he's talking about the Wigan Athletic 3-2 win where Danny Cowley said that all the fans want is a bit of fight. And he's also referring to Riley Towler's effort in the first couple of minutes of that game at Peterborough that could have put us 1-0 up. Just to contextualise your points, mate, just, you know, just in case anyone... Because I know they don't have the visual cues that I do, which can sometimes further your points a little <laughs> bit more. Um we had a conversation earlier in the week about the disallowed goal, which, when contextualised, could have had significant influence and ramifications in terms of the outcome of the game from a Pompey point of view. We had differing opinions, which I'm more than happy to get into, probably not to the extent that we did when we had the conversation, because I feel like most people would have, in um, what's the word for it, uh, consumed some kind of Pompey content in the last seven days uh, since, because it's now obviously Friday, so six days since that incident not least of which 4-0 Sunday Live. We had a long conversation about it. I know there's been other podcasts and other, you know, it's been kind of, it was the talk of the town after the game on Twitter as well. And we've got transfer window to get onto as well. So your thoughts on the disallowed goal? You mentioned it briefly. It could have been 2-2. Do you think maybe it should have been? Should the goal have stood? I think the way the ref went about it was wrong. Right. I thought the actual, the actual decision was correct, if I'm honest. If I'm being very 
neutral and I'm I'm trying my best to take the blue tinted glasses off and, and look at it from a, a very neutral perspective. I think from what has happened and what I gauge from it, because obviously it's all very subjective. You know, I, I'm looking at it from a different perspective to someone else. But the way I read... I.e. Situ- me in the away end, for example. Well, yeah, exactly. All the Pompey fans that are listening to this are now thinking I'm an idiot. Um, yeah. Well, you are, but, but I'm yeah, not, we'll let that I'm slice. not saying... I think the, the way it went, the goal should have stood. So when How the ref, can you say that? So hear me out. So when the ref played on, right? So he allowed the allowed play to go on after Dane Scarlett has obviously ran into one of their defenders, and he has run into him. There's no two ways about it. Mm. He's running from behind him across the line, and he's run into him at the point. So of fifty-fifty though. At, it it isn't. It isn't. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at it without the blue glasses on, you'll see he runs into his back. Unfortunately, that is the case. I would love to say any different, but I think that you, Dane Scarlett is facing the defender. The, face, the defender's facing the ball at that point. He's not looking behind him. He's not checked his shoulder to see where Dane's run is. Dane has ran into him. That's the, that's the only two ways about it. And they've, they've hit each other and fallen over, whichever way that happens. Now, I actually think when the ball was played, it's very tight, but I think Dane was offside when the ball was played. Yeah, and he was. Think, he was. And, th- and I think this is where lies the issue is that the ref's not seen a flag because the lino hasn't flagged it, but the lino's making the decision of, has Dane Scarlett actually interfered with play? And the lino's decision is, no, from my angle, he hasn't really interfered with play. The ref's angle, he sees someone taking a defender out or running into a defender, defender and Dane get on the floor, whichever way around it you want to look at, if they've hit each other, collapsed, whatever. They both ended up on the floor. Now, that defender is unable to help his defence in stopping that goal from happening because he's currently on the floor because an offside player has taken him out, in essence. And as a consequence of that, we've scored a goal. The ref's then gone, well, hang on. I feel that that guy interfered with play, in my opinion. I'm going to go check with the lino and see if he was onside or offside. Because from the ref's view, he's looking directly between Dane and the goal. He can't see the offside line. He can't make that call. That- that wouldn't have happened if the goalkeeper hadn't gesticulated no, towards the I, I line, agree. though. I agree, but that's football at the end of the day. Um, and obviously, they've then gone over, had that discussion. The line said, yes, he was offside. The rest of them, well, in my opinion, the interfere with play. We need to let the defender out there for it's offside and the goal doesn't stand because that goal should never have got to that point in the first place. It should have just been offside from point one. So I think the actual decision that was made was, it's arguable whether it's correct or not. I think that the difficulty is that the fact the Lino didn't feel like he interfered with play, but the ref did, and it took so long to sort that out afterwards without any real evidence behind it, I feel that it was the wrong decision to be made in the moment, the way it went about being made. Um, I think that it should have either been flagged immediately or or um, allowed. That should have been the only two um, options there. There shouldn't have been a. There shouldn't really be an option to go have this conversation two minutes after the events happened and, and kind of think back. Cause we all know what it's like. You say, you see one thing the first time you look at it. And when you look at it a second time, we two minutes have passed, you kind of see something else. And it sometimes your mind can play those tricks on you. So whether the lino in his mind at that moment did think he was offside or not, it's another question whether in the ref's mind's eye, did he actually interfere with play or not? He can't, I don't think either of them really can, can say subjectively after the, after that, goals happened and after that decision has been made to retrospectively go back and change that opinion I don't think that should have happened so do you think it should have been 2-1 at that point in my opinion because of what happened and how it went about happening 
However, I think if it had happened in any other way, we would have accepted he was offside and that wouldn't have been an issue. Do you think it would have eased the pain from a Pompey point of view a little bit if as soon as the goal ball hits the back of the net, the Lino's flag is raised, then the conversation happens between the yeah. ref and the Lino. Yeah. But what Pompey fans feel a catalyst for the disallowment of the goal, if that's a word, disallowment, um, the disallowing of the goal was the fact that it was pretty much completely catalyzed by the opposition goalkeeper running over to to the lino and even giving him the pat on the back for the ref once he'd made the decision that really sort of made me ground my gears a little bit because i thought was... <laughs> anyway from my point of view and I'll, I'll take issue with two things that you said um not you know I, I think you obviously your your opinion is is completely valid and we do agree on a lot of things and and i agree completely that the um a lot of things that not just football, by the way, viewers, listeners, um, not just football related. We go on a lot of things in general. I don't think I'll tell you what, I'll ask you a question because this might actually aid my point. If the ball had just, you know, if that's a, that's an overplayed ball by whoever it was, I don't think it might, it might have been Michael Jacobs, actually. I don't know who actually plays the ball initially. Um, we need to mention Matt Macy as well, by the way, because he actually kept us in the game, really, um, mm. for, for large parts. And that could have been three or four nil and we wouldn't have been having the discussion. Anyway. I think it might be Riley Towler who plays the ball. And had the ball just dwindled away, gone out for a goal kick, Dane Scarlett got nowhere near the ball, and the exact same thing had happened, you know, you take the fact that the, the next phase of play, and this is what I'm going to come back to, phase of play, take that out of it, ball dribbles out, gathered by the keeper, et cetera, et cetera. Would Bobby Madley, the referee, have blown up for a free kick for the Peterborough player? No, he wouldn't have done. What? I don't think the issue it, the issue isn't it's a foul. I think the issue is an interference of play, which is right. two very different things. Okay. You can interfere with play without fouling yep. someone. I'll take that. I actually think if there is anything in there, I think Dane Scarlett is caught by the training leg of the Peterborough defender and brought down, if anything. If you watch it back, I don't think Dane Scarlett makes no attempt to go anywhere near the Peterborough player, which is trying to make his run, right? The the ball, the, for me, Dane Scarlett doesn't do enough to play the ball. Yes, he's in an uh, offside position. Uh, I completely agree on that, right? Uh, yeah. He doesn't do enough to play the ball. He could not have played that ball, right? In, in that it, it, particular scenario, he's on the deck and the ball's gone past him, right? So how the argument can be made that he plays the ball, I, I don't think but is, I don't is think valid. The, I don't think the argument is he's playing the ball. I well, mean, it the must be because is... he's offside. No, That's think... why it's given. Yeah, but I think the argument is that he's interfered with play from an offside position. It's like someone standing offside and blocking a keeper. Uh, if you do something to interfere with play and you're offside, you're still offside, regardless if the ball goes to your feet or not. In in this scenario, he has to play the ball to be interfering with play because he can't be stood in front of the keeper. There's there's no other circumstance for it. He, I don't think he plays the ball, right? I don't think he does. Yes, no. he stood in, a, in an offside position. It looks marginal from where the camera angle is positioned, but you've got to bear in mind that this is the, the kind of the camera angle that does the whole ground. If mm. they'd had a, a specific offside one, which the benefit of I follow doesn't, I think he's probably a yard offside, right? That's, you know, that's absolutely no worries. My second issue would be it's dangerously close to becoming a new phase of play by the time the goal is given. And I think them going back as far as they did to that initial offside moment when that first ball was played, 
There's one, there's a challenge. It then comes back to Rico. Rico then shimmies around. There's, there's at least three, four, five touches from Pompey players. The ref automatically goes like that. And for the benefit of, of the listeners, of which all of you are, to give the goal points back to the centre spot, restart play. Yep. So he hasn't in real time seen any issue with the goal. But I suppose I suppose that's the benefit of your liner, isn't it? So my, my thing would be, I, I think it is a goal. I think it's wrong that it's been chalked out. I think I completely agree with the way in which they've gone about coming to this decision and arriving at this call is completely wrong. I think there's actually an argument for a penalty on Colby Bishop, if you look at it carefully enough. I don't think the player gets any of the ball and it actually gets most of of Colby and the finish from Rico is emphatic. Um, again, it would have had a substantial influence and I've heard a couple of people say, oh no, we wouldn't have got back in that game had it been 2-2 because that circumstance would have meant that whatever. No, I disagree with that because Peterborough were off the pace for the last half hour and let us back in the game quite significantly. And I think the least that Pompey deserved, the very least that Pompey deserved was a point out of that game. Um, but Anyway, maybe at least a goal out of that game, maybe not a point. Maybe that's maybe one step further in terms of deserving something out of a game. But I, I, feel I like... don't disagree with your opinion. I don't at all. I don't disagree with what you said there at all. The, the, and the that's reason what, that's the thing with this is so yes. many ways in which you can look at this. So therefore, it should have been given. If it is as dubious as this is, mm. why interfere with it? Yeah. Why not just go? This is complicating football too much. Give the goal. Exactly. I agree completely. That, that I think was, neutrals uh, part, would say that as well. Yeah, I think part of my initial point that I was making was that that's the reason why I believe the ref gave it. Now, whether or not that's the right thing to do, like I said earlier, I think retrospectively, can they go back and make that decision? Probably not after that. all that's happened. And I don't think they should. If it's a VAR decision and they've got three people looking at it in a box and they can see it from six different camera angles and actually analyse it, then it's a different question, isn't it? You go, oh, yeah, fair enough, you know. They, uh, they looked back at it, they checked up all the angles and they made that decision and that's actually the right decision for the game. However, it's two people looking at a game from very different angles. One thought he interfered play, one thought he didn't, one thought he was offside, the other one didn't know and a goal's been scored and then they go back, you know, five, ten seconds in their head and go, oh, actually, no, that's, that's no longer a goal now for this reason, which I think is wrong. I, I think the actual decision they came to at that point is wrong. It should have been 2-1. Um if they'd made either of those decisions a lot earlier on, I think we wouldn't be having this conversation. We would have said, yeah, he was offside. It's his fault. He's an idiot. Or, or just, and it would have just been wiped clean. The fact that there's a goal involved and the goal is given then taken away is, is the issue. You shouldn't, I don't think the ref should have blown for that to be a goal and then gone back on his word without really yes. seeing, like without being able to really see the situation any differently to we did the first time round. And I don't think the lino is convinced enough to be able to be in the position to tell the referee to disallow the goal. And the referee's so adamant that it is a goal because he immediately points back to the centre circle. The the other benefit, and we mentioned this earlier on, of, of you watching it back and me being there, it's not a lengthy discussion between the referee and the lino. I mean, you don't get the full extent of it on the highlights and, and I don't think anywhere is going to just have dead space of 20 seconds as a highlight reel. So I don't think they've they've really put the whole conversation of the referee. You, you kind of, you, what you do get the benefit of is, is Bobby Madley's kind of going, well, if he's offside when the ball was originally played, then I'm not giving the goal. I think that is literally the extent of the discussion. I don't think they even get a chance to say, does he play the ball, et cetera, et cetera, because anyway... We're rambling on too much, and it's a dubious one, and perhaps that's maybe yeah, so, the reason. I mean, arguably why, that game, 
like we said before, that I think the, two the two would have been a great result. I think the key to said. take out of that game, going away to Peterborough, being two nil down and showing that fight and scoring two goals, whether one was disallowed or not, is neither here or there. You know, we arguably they could have scored a third at one point. We could have scored a, a third as well. You know, in, in mm. with what happened with Ryan Tower in the the first half. So I think that we gave a good account of ourselves away. We're not going to go and win every game. Let's not kill ourselves with that. Um, and let's just hope that this weekend against Barnsley, we can put in a really strong performance. We're going to chat about Barnsley in a minute. Let's chat first about Pompey's deadline day, although the bar for this is not set astronomically high if we're talking about recent seasons. But the acquisition of Deshaun Bernard on loan from Manchester United and Paddy Lane from Fleetwood for a, a reported, make that clear, reported quarter of a million pounds plus add-ons, all points towards a relatively pleasing window when you factor in the last couple of years and probably one of our best ones for a couple of seasons. I think even our more militant fans can't argue with that we've come out of it stronger than we were when the Cowleys were sacked on the 2nd of January. How how do you reflect on Pompey's window as a whole? I think we needed a new centre-back. We said this for a little while. I think you watch the first goal we conceded against Peterborough. I think it's certainly Raggett's fault. Mm. unfortunately and we've had discussion about this at length you know Raggett does a lot for us in terms of scoring goals and he's been our one of our key members at centre-back for a number of years now um my opinion is he's not anything more than a league one centre-back unfortunately and I think for you for a team to be pushing towards the championship with a level of quality that's in the championship and now the level of quality that's down in our league Mm. you need players that look like championship footballers and for me, not not saying that he, he couldn't be, I'm I'm saying from my perspective, I don't think that he fits that bill. Um, I think that for, in that first goal, he loses his man. Initially, his man makes a run off the back of him, doesn't track him. He is completely static when the ball's played between him and another defender and he's facing that way, doesn't move his legs, doesn't put a leg out to try and block it, doesn't do anything. And the striker's in behind him with an easy one-on-one with a keeper just to pass it home. And it, that, that situation should never happen. Um, and I think that Machinio being a centre-back should would pick up on that and, and hopefully correct that for future games. And I think getting uh, Dijon is going to be a massive benefit to us, someone who's coming in. I know that in terms of his experience, he's quite young, but he's coming from a big club, obviously being Man United, a massive youth set up there. You know, he'd have played with and trained with some very good players and had all the best in terms of recovery and, and well grounded as well. Yeah, exactly right. And he's coming to a league that is very battly, very fighty. It's going to really like not toughen him up in a way, but it will give him that element of. He's a unit. Doesn't need toughening up, mate. He's an absolute you know, monster. Exactly. So it, you know, I think that he's going to bring something very different to what Michael Morrison gave us. Yeah. You know, he's a he's a different type of player. Someone who we I hope can play the ball out from his feet a bit better. Uh, who can command a bit of respect as well at the back for us. Even that, even at a young age, I think coming from where he's coming from, there will be an element of that. Um, and I think it's a, it's a massive signing for us, even be it on loan. I think it's a, a big, big opportunity for us to push forward this season. Well, I think there's, you know, he's only 22. So there's scope for maybe, you know, more discussions in the summer if it, if it goes really well for Pompey as well. Um, he, he does bring, you're quite right, he brings an enthusiasm on the ball with him to Pompey's back line. We're obviously assuming, and you alluded to it just there, that Raggett's now dropped from the side, which is the conclusion that many have made as a result of this incoming. Not for a second doubt in the talent and ball control of Bernard, but... It does make for a youthful back line, Ollie. Bart, Ogilvie at the age of 26. Swanson, Towler and Bernard were all born this side of 2000. So Swanson's 22, 
Towler's 20 and Bernard's 22. Many would say that that might not necessarily be a bad thing as these boys are fresh impetus, young talent, something that tends to thrive at Pompey as the fans warm to it so much, not least as it fit the model that the club are trying to establish in terms of types of players we're looking to bring in and develop. You've only got to look at Swanson's silly moment of madness to give away a penalty at Peterborough last weekend to appreciate the issues that might come out of move it come about as a result of having a youthful defensive line moving forward. Yeah, I think that it's um it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you want to have that experience, you want to have those players in there. Like, what, how old was Morrison? 32, 33, something like that, wasn't he's he? Quite old, kind of, yeah. He's in that kind of region. So he's obviously got a wealth of experience, but then you lose the mobility, the drive, the enthusiasm. I'm not saying that he's not, I mean, Morrison wasn't a bad footballer by any stretch of the imagination, but as you get older, your fitness does suffer. Unfortunately, it's just a way of life. Yeah, exactly. And and when you get past the age of 30, speaking from experience, <laughs> you just start to slow <laughs> down a bit. It was once a time when I played that I'd be a fast right winger and now I like to kind of move more towards the back of the pitch. It's quite nice sitting back where you don't have to do so much running. Um, we say 34, it, his birthday's the 3rd of March, so he's within a month of his 35th birthday. Yeah, exactly. So, so there, there'll be an element of, you know, he's, he will know as well, he's coming to the end of his career. He's not, yeah, he's not excitingly young, trying to drive forward, trying well, to push... He's gone back to football. Cambridge for that very reason, hasn't he? Yeah, so. exactly. He's got, you know, that's what he, that's what he's looking for, is to kind of wind down more than anything else. He's accepted that's coming towards that point in his career now. And I think he's made the right decision for himself, which is good on him. And I think that us having that youthful experience at the back is going to give us a different dynamic, for sure, to what we've had to this point. Um but that's not to say that people like Pack, you know, in the middle, who, who's got that experience and Morel and Ogilvy next to them, they, you know, they're 26, they've been playing league football for a number of years now, probably since they're like 18, 19, uh, even 17 in certain cases, that they have got a wealth of experience in that level of football. They should be able to command the respect of the back line. They should be able to dictate what we need to do in what situations we're, we're always well, going to make it enough doesn't he so exactly and and he'll be able to encourage the boys into certain ways and and as well as that so should Machinio. you know he is effectively another centre-back for us because he's going to bring that wealth of experience of playing as a captain at the back for years mm. into that role and and be able to tell these boys that this is what we need you to do this is what i expect of you um, you know, when I was playing football last season, this is what we did, and this is how you try. This is how you move, and this is how, what you do off the ball. This is what you do on the ball, so on and so forth. So he should be able to to deliver that information to them in the right manner to to hopefully give them the best opportunity for success. And I think that's that's what we all want to see. We all want to see young players coming through. I think our squad um, for the last two years has been very tired, very aged almost. It's not old, but it's it's moving out of the end of a Slow. cycle. And yeah, exactly. And I think we had a lot of very good, talented players in those first few seasons under Jacket and slowly but surely we've lost them and replaced them with not so talented or not a bit more mediocre than what we've we've had previous. Um, and actually now we're in a position where we've got some really nice, young, exciting talent playing for us. And like you said, I think that the whole thing with Deshaun being 22, you know, he's not broken into that United starting 11, not that he's going to at 22 and, and, and the quality of calibre of players that are there. But he's looking to make a name for himself. He's looking to play some football. And it might be an opportunity if we can push towards those playoffs for us to have an argument to say, look, you know, this is our aim for next season. This is where we were when you joined us. This is where we see ourselves going. You know, is it an opportunity for you to play for a club week in, week out to gain your experience, but also to push towards that championship that you're after? Mm. 
Uh, Paddy Lane scored a humdinger of an effort against us in that memorable three-all draw at Fratton Park last season. He comes to us as a boy, only 21. And again, the young, youthful talent that's been brought in. He's got a real spark about him. He's got a left foot to die for, the ability to play wide left, wide right, even inside right, and then playing on his left if needs be. Versatility, creative attributes that Pompey have been more than crying out for recently, Ollie. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that he's a fantastic sign. Didn't he win? He won Player young, of the Year last young year. Young Player of the Year in League One, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, a fantastic talent uh, for us to bring in. Um, and I think it's an area where we have been weak. You know, a lot of our plays gone down the right of late. Um, I think Dale's been fantastic. Obviously, Mingi has been as well for us uh, from what we've seen of him. So it, it's an opportunity for us to start working in from the left again and giving ourselves a, a second dynamic. Because I mean, for anyone will know who's played football. If if someone's got one particular man who's very good, albeit someone like Messi obviously gets round this rule, that it's it, more often than not, you mark them out of a game and they can't do an awful lot. So if you know a team's going to go one way and one way only, it makes it very easy to defend against because they know that the ball's going to come in league wide. wide. And, and and that player can get really up for it, you know. The the left back on the other on the other side can say, you know, we, you're you're going to see a lot of action in this game. It's on you to protect your defence and and to do the right things. And we, how many times have we seen it at Fratton Park where the left backs just been a unit that's gone through our winger time and time and time again and stopping us get the play down that right hand side and really like being a, a hustler and you know throwing some real attitude around. So I think we've seen that. Uh, time and time again at Fratton Park and away this season. And it's an opportunity for us to start throwing some balls in from the left side and actually causing some problems where they don't know which way we're going to go. They can't just all swing towards one side and, and man mark on that in that area, you know. Do you, um, do you see Paddy Lane as Pompey's next number eight or number 10? And how much does Curtis, Bishop, Dale lead in that front line with Morell and Lane sitting behind, packs orchestrating and then that back four that, that we just spoke about? How, how much does that excite you? I think it's a really exciting prospect for us. Personally, I think that this is one of the best setups we've had as a starting eleven for a little while. Um, so it's given Machinio a great opportunity for growth. My concern is always with us, and obviously we weren't going to get this sorted in January, is our strength and depth. I think we've got a few very good players on the bench. I think Jacobs is playing really well recently. Uh, I thought he put in a really good performance against Peterborough. And... I think we've got some good talent in there, but it's about squeezing into that dynamic. And if we get an injury in one of those very, very required places, like a right back, you know, we lose Swanson, we're, we're struggling a bit more. We lose a centre-back. Again, we, we take that step backwards. We need to make sure our fitness is up and together for the end of the season. Hope we don't get too many injuries between now and then, because inevitably there will be one or two that, that have injuries in, the, in in this season. It's going to be very thick and fast at the end of the season for us, especially with the games in hand we've still got to play. So it's it's not going to be the easiest end to a season for us. And I just hope that those players stay fit enough to keep our starting eleven strong uh, so we can go out there and really win some games. Whereas we know how short of a month February is and it seems to scream by, as it always does, there's six games, six league, league games of Pompey to squeeze into just, you know, it's only three and a half weeks, really, February, yeah. isn't it? So, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about strength and depth there again, not to try and provide end notes to what you're saying, but you've got the return of Tom Lowry to training. You mentioned Swanson, obviously Joe Rafferty would then provide a bit of backup in that right back position. He's on his way back. Um 
you've also got Louis Thompson, who's almost full match fitness to play in that centre midfield role. Um, and then you've got the likes of Rico and Ronan Curtis, of course, who, you know, is, is injured at the moment, um, but but will be coming back. Um, in, in We're hoping by sort of next Tuesday's Burton game, I think Massino was saying in his pre-match ahead of Bur- uh, Barn- uh, Burton Barnsley. Barnsley. Um, and I got I got the mick taken out of me by James, who's going to come to the away game as as the the reverse fixture with Charlie of Rotherham mates. He um he said, "Oh, why why do you say it so poshly like Barnsley? It's Barnsley." Um, so I, I, we would we would say Barnsley, wouldn't we? But they'd say Barnsley. Um, and that's the game we're going to look ahead to now. Almost a carbon copy of last week's look ahead, really. Um, I know it seems like we don't, but we do tend to prep these podcasts. And I was going through the notes that I had from last week and it, it said tough test for Peterborough this weekend. And I literally put the same again. One of the toughest tests of, of the season at Fratton against the Barnsley side fresh out of the championship. They look strong midweek, but also have easily identifiable weaknesses. A lot of uncomfortable defending on show for their game away at Oxford. Definitely a side that likes to be forward-facing rather than goal-defending. How are you feeling ahead of this weekend's prospects? I think Bansley is going to be... Bansley. It's going to be a tough match. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. They beat Oxford in the week, I believe, yesterday. Well, not yesterday, whenever the, yeah, for the podcast viewers. Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, so they're, they're fresh off a game Wednesday, which is good for us. Um, hopefully there'll be some tired legs in there. Yep. Uh, us being at home, obviously, we, we should have that advantage of the Fratton end, um, which can help carry us through. And I'm excited about some of the new talents that we've got. Uh, seeing the way Machinio sets us up for that game will be very interesting. Seeing how many of the, the new people uh, he starts. Why have you started be... calling him Machinio? Because he's a machine. Right. Okay. <laughs> no, as, you, I, as you were. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I called him Machinio, to be honest. No. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I, I think it's exciting. I think it's an exciting time to be a Pompey fan at the minute. Uh, I think it's definitely a very much more positive outlook than we've seen it in recent weeks and months. Um, and I'd like to see us continue on that trend that we've got at the moment, get a win at home and really start to push forward towards the end of the season with a bit of confidence. Because this is a team that it, I think if we prove to ourselves that we can beat them at home, and do it in a very, com- not comfortable, but really battle for it and, and do it in a good fashion in front of the front end, then I think that's going to really bring the confidence in the fans and the confidence in the players and the confidence in the management that the right decision was made. Because I don't think every fan still made uh, their their mind up on um, John. That's something, <laughs> that's something we're going to talk about in a minute, actually, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it, he's he's got a great opportunity. And... I would like to see those players keep pushing on and pushing forward. So let, let's hope that we see a good performance this Saturday and the boys do us proud at home. You mentioned it just there. Obviously, something to be said for the fact that Barnsley travelled to Oxfordshire on Wednesday night, arrived back early morning Thursday, which is today at the time of recording, yesterday for you listening, or might even be a couple of days ago if you're listening in the very distant future. Um, we'll then travel back down to Hampshire on Friday before playing us on Saturday. So... You know, and considering Pompey didn't even have a midweek on the Tuesday, so literally Saturday, Saturday, we actually saw the fruits of that labour playing out, to coin a John Messino phrase, fruits of our labour. He loves the fruits of our labour. He said that about three times when he came in to all the different... He loves fruits of our labour. Listen to it. If you hear John doing any press conversing, fruits of our labour. We saw that when we'd 
gone to Fleetwood away from home on the Tuesday and travelled to Peterborough, having they hadn't played because they've had they had FA Cup postponements and then they had a frozen pitch, I think, I believe, for one of their games. So they hadn't played for about two weeks. So hopefully, role reversal and we can get a bit of joy out of that on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be it's a good opportunity for us against a tough team, isn't it? And that's what we've got to look at it as, you know, they they are going to be tired, but we can't be complacent. You know, they are mm. still a very strong side and we've got to go out there and win that game. There's no two ways about it. It's not going to be an easy fixture. It's not going to be light. It's going to be a very physical match, I imagine. And the boys need to be up for it. They need to be motivated. They need to be ready to play football. They need to be out there ready to fight for it as well. So I, I hope we see more of that this weekend and uh, the introduction of the, the new boys coming through. I'd like to see how they impact the game and the formation and, and how we start to play football. It'll be, it'll be a great thing to see. And I think it's exciting. Score? Really exciting. Um, I Would you take one. a draw? I keep saying 3-1. My last three predictions have been 3-1. We won 2-0 on two of them. So I guess that's kind of 3-1. And winning by two goals, isn't it? I, I don't think... I think we'll win by two goals. I think there's an opportunity for us to win 4-1, if I'm honest. I think, I think that we could see uh, a Jesus real good Christ. performance. I would like to exactly. see... A, a, I would like to predict a 4-1 Pompey. You wouldn't take a draw? No. I wouldn't. Um. I, I would take a draw if we have a real battle, yeah. If, I mean, if... It all depends on the game. If if we go into that game and we, I think it's an opportunity for us to really go, look who we look who we are, look who we're about. Yeah. And if we went and, and battered someone like Barnsley four one at home, I think that would turn a lot of fans into this new era of Portsmouth and get them excited about it. Which I think everyone wants to see, and everyone really that's what everyone wants to see at the end of the day, isn't it? They they all want to see us doing well. They all want to be excited about going to football on Saturday, not thinking, oh God, have I got to go there again. You know, you want to see how we were feeling. Yeah, I think a lot of fans are feeling that way. You know, a lot of fans are like, I'm not going to go watch that. I'm not paying good money to go sit in that stadium and and watch that dribble and get angry about it and go home and be mardy about it all evening because I've seen an absolute Mm. shocker from the the team that I love. Well, I, I for one, would like to see that happen on... No, I for one, would like to see that happen Ah. on Saturday. It's good. It's a good one. It's a good one. Right. For our final discussion point on this week's podcast episode, we are going to chat about an email that we received from a guy called Ben. So massive thank you to Ben for taking the time to reach out to us. And I'm going to read from Ben's email now. Hi, Tom and the team. Great show. Really appreciate you guys and all the content you do. So thanks very much for that, Ben. Please may I suggest a talking point as I'm curious to other people's opinions. Now, this is going to feed in to the undecided nature of some fans that you're talking about with John Massino. Ironic chance of the we've got the ball nature. Are they negative that should be stopped or harmless and funny? I noticed that it came up on Twitter and was surprised that some folks strongly object to it. Link below. And upon clicking the link, there are various comments on this subject, um, including, well, the original link that he sent me is a tweet from a guy called Dan in Fratton. Um, he says, these ironic chants against our own players are getting tiresome. Different when it's been months and months under the same boss, but it's Massinho's now had 270 minutes of football in charge with us. Give it a something rest and support the team. And then Abby's replied to that saying on Tuesday night, 300 of us sang the chance for every much every player on the pitch. Towler even said he could hear the doors chant. So if he hears that, 
what encouragement does he get out of repetitive? We've got the ball, lost the ball, we've had a shot. How must you be? We're not losing yet, etc. Lee said 100% agree, but got to be careful. You mustn't have a go at the travelling fans who go to all games because they are apparently the real fans. Um, and Meg said 100% agree. Cannot understand what the point is. Find it very embarrassing. Fans even arguing amongst themselves about it. So obviously we want to try and reflect both sides of the issue and having considered all that, how do you personally reflect on this ironic chanting? Because those culpable of said ironic chants would be well within their rights to turn around to you and say, well, I pay my money, as you were saying earlier, pay your money to go and watch the drab so I can say and reflect however I want on the drab. But then the point should also be made that we're very early days of John Massino's time in charge and we need to back the boys as a consequence. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. I think chanting it this early into someone's tenure is a bit tricky. I don't think it's the right thing to do, personally. Um, you know, he's had, like you said, it's his third game in charge. If we're chanting that away at Peterborough, then, I, I mean, it's all in, the fans have got an entitlement to do what they want to do. And I think it more highlights the the people that feel that Machinio isn't the right person for us. Um, Say it again. Machinio. Machino's a brand of pants, isn't it? Machino. Machino. Boxes, mate. Uh, Very expensive. How are you pronouncing it? Massino. 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 So, John Massino. It's not difficult. I'll be honest, it's not a difficult one. I'm just getting confused with Mourinho and all sorts of stuff. Anyway. um, Big John. Big John. (laughs) Big J. J Dog. Um, I think. I think that that kind of attitude at this point is a bit. It is meant to. It's meant in a harmless way. Let's say it like that. It, it's not meant in a way to be like, "Oh, John, you're rubbish," or swearing at the team or anything like that. You it's meant to be ironic, overhang, isn't it? From the previous yeah. load of rubbish that we were used to, and as a uh, result, people are going, "Oh my word, we've just scored a goal." It, I can personally verify. I heard it at Fleetwood. How rubbish must you? It wasn't rubbish, but how rubbish must you be? We're winning away, whatever. And that was it. Wasn't kind of oh yeah, vociferous. You know, we're, we're singing it over and over again. It was kind of a maybe a repeat of t- twice repeated over. But other than that, and I think it's more of an overhang from previous administration where we were pants for sixteen games. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that if we started the first sixty minutes of that game like we were used to, and we we've been pretty poor and we're two nil down. You can kind of see why fans are doing it. Yeah. You can you can see because at, at that point we could have been three 0 down very easy if it wasn't for a great save, um, and in that moment, so it could have easily been three 0 So that, at that point, fans are thinking, "God, we're not watching this again, are we?" You know, we've been home and away. We we've seen us. We've had two games where we've won, and then all of a sudden we've it's flipped on its head, and we get battered here, and we might lose badly. But then I think also that kind of an attitude and that that openness and honestness of the fans to sing that. Uh, also would show Machino or Machino Machino what what he's in for and I think that's kind of a good thing because he can use that as a motivator for the players and and that's what needs to happen it needs to be looked as an opportunity for the players to see what the fans are thinking how the fans are feeling and he can use that as a you know look at what you're doing you know you put in that performance in the first half and your fans are singing against you already after we've gone back-to-back wins so why all of a sudden are we turning into this team where we're going to get walked over? That's not the way we play football. That's not the way we need to go out there. We need to go out this second half and prove them wrong and showcase who we are as players, yeah. who we are as a team, 
and actually pick ourselves up and push forward and, and get that win or get that draw, whatever, fight back. You know, let, let's, let's show that heart and that courage and that passion that we all need to have. And, and if the players don't have it, then they shouldn't be in our team. And so as long as it's being used in the right way in the dressing room, I think that it's something that's fine. Um, but that's very much down to the management and the management team and the way the players look at it. You know, everyone's different. Everyone will look at it from a very different way. I think at this point in his his tendency with us, it's a bit harsh um, to start seeing that against him. But I, I do feel that a lot of that is made in a very ironic way. And I think we've heard a lot worse from Fratton Park than chants like that. So I, I wouldn't get too hung up on it, is probably my opinion. And let's let's just hope that those boys can use that as a motivator and can really push on against Barnsley, give us that win that we're all after and give us that bit of confidence behind him where those chances start to dissipate away into the long distant memory. And we will do our very level best to go and win that game on Saturday. Ollie, thanks so much for your time and thank you to you as well at home for listening. Um, I sent you a few stats through. Really pleased with the, I wouldn't call it exponential growth, but people are joining us week on week and people are also coming back to listen as well, which is great to see. Yeah, well, firstly, a massive thank you to Ben. Um, I think it's one of the first emails that we've had that's been really constructive. Uh, as... <laughs> Sorry to all the other emails no, that were no, sent. No, not all no. the other emails. I mean, for the podcast, because <laughs> it was very much mentioning the podcast. Um, so that's been great. And it's nice to see that people are enjoying this and they keep coming back every week. So, again, obviously, we're, we're, we're still fairly in our infancy in what we do here. And we're going to hopefully get some more guests involved and bits of that. Only bit the eighth that. episode, by the exactly. way. Exactly. And yeah. without you guys listening and tuning in every week, you know, it, it wouldn't be happening. So we really appreciate the support and the way you guys are, are helping this this grow as, as a thing. So, yeah, the more of you that like us, the more of you that follow us, the more of you that listen, the better the guests will have, the better everything that will come content-wise your way. So we do really appreciate it. And, and thank you for your support. And play up Pompey. Play up Pompey.